Laura Tingle is here to guide us through that aforementioned last week and a lot to get through, Laura, including that today we've heard the Nats will not support The Voice. Surprise, surprise. Well, it is surprise, surprise, Philip, but it's sort of depressing surprise, surprise, isn't it? Um, Partly because we haven't got any sort of firm proposal to actually oppose yet. <laughs> um, the, uh, the the reference groups are still meeting to talk about it all. Is you know the the government has foreshadowed it wants to update the referendum legislation that actually guides the way you run referendums. All of those things are still sort of in train, but um, the Nats have come out hard and early um, and said they will oppose it. Uh, they're not going to actively campaign against it, but they're going to oppose it and it'll be up to individual MPs and senators about, you know, how they how they uh, operate in the field uh, on the issue. And this decision by the Nats, how will that uh, lead on to the Liberal Party? Well, it's hard to imagine that um, the Coalition will split over this, I think. Um, the Liberal Party room has still got to make up a, a, a formal position on this, uh, but um, it, I, I think it, it is hard to see how, how they would split on it. So, uh, you know, you can say things like test for Peter Dutton and all those things, but you'd have to say the Dutton political strategy um, actually, is that a... <laughs> the, the Dutton political strategy is, is hard to detect, uh, Philip, um, but it's not been splendidly successful or, or coherent this year um, and it seems to have been retreating into sort of more classic uh, culture wars territory in the last few weeks and so I think we've got to sort of presume the worst. So we've got uh, CLP Senator for the NT, Jacinta, Jacinta Price, and, of course, uh, Warren Mundine also giving the thumbs down. Yeah, uh, well, Warren Mundine's obviously on the sidelines, um, but, um, you know, others are talking about this in, um, you know, the, there was a press conference today uh, from David Littleproud, the leader of the Nats, um, and attended by a very large cross-section of its um, membership, of its parliamentary membership, Darren Chester, who would be regarded as sort of, shall we say, a moderate national because he's from the Victorian nationals, such as such as they continue to exist, but even he's supporting the position. The nationals are saying, look, this, uh, this is based on consultation with Indigenous people in our local community and, uh, you know, it, it's all sort of a bit hopeless and uh, what we need to concentrate on is closing the gap, which... Uh, as several Indigenous leaders pointed out today, the, the LNP government hadn't done much about in the last decade. I uh, don't know if you remember this, uh, but my predecessor here at Late Night Live was a, a young woman called Virginia Bell who went on to become a, <laughs> a High Court judge and she's just done a report into Scott Morrison which amounts to him getting a very firm smack on the bottom. In the most um, appropriately judicial terms, I think you'd have to add to that hastily, um, uh, Philip. She's um, she's she's not been uh, overwhelmed, shall we say, by some of the answers that Scott Morrison provided to her uh, in writing through his lawyers, having received legal assistance to do all of these things, um, and um, she she's got some really really splendid 
<laughs> some really splendid phrases for um, describing what he uh, uh, what he, his answers were and about how they didn't really all tally one with the other, um, saying that his actions were difficult to reconcile or his actions were difficult to reconcile in terms of the various explanations he'd given and some were improbable in the extreme. So uh, she wasn't very impressed by what the former Prime Minister had to say about the fact that he'd um, uh, appointed himself to all these multiple ministries and then stayed storm about it with all of his colleagues who were pretty underwhelmed by it. But all of us can see Scott's point. He was just doing his best to run the country during difficult times. How will Peter Dutton respond to the decision to have a censure motion against his predecessor? Well, uh, the um, the opposition manager of, gov- of business in the, in the House, that's P- Paul Fletcher, uh, has indicated today that the coalition will oppose a censure motion against Scott Morrison. Now, um, the, the censure, let's be perfectly frank here, Philip, this is uh, uh, the, the government making the most of this moment to try to skewer the coalition on this issue. And of course, they're damned if they do and they're damned if they don't, because with Scott Morrison still sitting in Parliament, it's very hard for them to throw him to the wolves, though, given the nature of what has been discovered about his capacity to be uh, untrustworthy to his colleagues and um, and not bring them into his confidence. One can't understand why they would defend them other than the principle that you never actually give anybody a scalp. Uh, but um, they've basically indicated that they will uh, uh, vote against the censure on the basis that it's a stunt. But in doing so, they're essentially endorsing what the former Prime Minister did, even though... Um, that my, my colleague Nikki Sava has written a book in which he has all these people on the record, including, including close mates like Stuart Robert, uh, you know, one, one of the, the probably the person who's closest to Scott Morrison, expressing his outrage about the way uh, Scott Morrison didn't tell him or anybody else about these ministry appointments. I, um, there's no legal consequence to a censure motion, is there? You can't no. sort of do time in the slammer. No, no, it's, I mean, it, 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 which makes it all the more silly that they won't even uh, countenance it. Now, there's a possibility that uh, Bridget Archer, the Liberal MP, who is uh, sort of was one of the few people to really stand up for anything and uh, against Scott Morrison on things on the basis of principle um, in the last parliament, uh, has suggested she may vote um, for the censure, um, but we haven't actually seen that yet. But uh, no, it's, it's, it's still ultimately... A, a token thing in in the olden days, Philip. People, you know, would be horrified. It's a bit like um, in in America um, in being impeached. You know, that, that would have been a terrible thing. But um, politicians don't have a lot of shame anymore, so they don't really mind if you if they get censured. It seems. Well, will there be some attempt to pass legislation to prevent it happening again? There will. Um, Virginia Bell has made a series of recommendations on things that have to happen, uh, including legislation which uh, requires the publication of details of appointments to ministries and what those actual jobs entail, because uh, as she documents at some length, there's great uncertainty about what would have happened uh, if, you know, what what exactly... uh, Scott Morrison could or couldn't have done compared to other ministers. 
and you've had uh, senior public servants like Michael Pizzullo from Home Affairs uh, in his submissions to the Bell Inquiry uh, pointedly saying, well, what would happen if I found that I was get, getting two instructions or border, uh, border force were getting two different instructions about how to behave from two ministers who technically had equally equal <laughs> rights to tell us what to do? Now, did my distinguished predecessor at Late Night Law, did she also smack the Governor-General's bottom? Look, uh, she didn't. Um, she essentially said that uh, while there were breakdowns in communication and process between uh, the bureaucracy and Government House, um, that she said that the Governor-General had not done anything uh, in a wrong in in what he did. He, ha he did have every right to expect this uh, this information to be published, uh, that, um, uh, I mean, it, it, the interesting thing, I suppose, to me was that uh, ultimately she didn't uh, speak directly to the Governor-General on these matters because uh, it was regarded as not appropriate to, for her to be able to quiz him on the discussions between the Prime Minister and the Governor-General. But um, part of the uh, evidence or information she's documented is that um, there was supposed to be a breakfast meeting between Scott Morrison and um, David Hurley, the Governor-General, where it seemed like everybody else who was involved in the process, which I've got to say was a fairly small group of people, all sort of were under the impression that um, Scott Morrison was going to brief David Hurley on what was going to happen and why, and it's we don't know whether he did or not. I hear the pounding of approaching hoofs and it's a man on a white horse called David Pocock. <laughs> Why is he behaving so heroically? Well, maybe because he's actually looking for decent outcomes for the country, Philip. I know it's a, a controversial idea, but um, he's, you know, he's the sort of rookie senator, to use a, a cliche, but uh, he's obviously had the, the sort of the crucial vote for the government to get on its uh, labour, on its industrial relations legislation. And uh, he's uh, he and Tony Burke, the um, industrial relations minister, have uh, cooked up a deal over the weekend, which makes the uh, passage of the legislation really likely. There've been some concessions on a range of issues. Everybody's focusing on this body, uh, which will assess the status of people who are on income support payments and whether it's enough every year before the budget. And that is a good thing. We've got to have some way of opening up the debate about the fact that we've got people living on uh, income support below the poverty line. Uh, but there's a range of concessions he's won from the government uh, which go to things like, um, you know, the unions having to uh, make, you know, make a really good case where uh, they've got uh, a whole range of different employers in a so-called single interest stream uh, enterprise bargain in, in multi-employer multi bargaining um, uh, uh, negotiations, um, a higher cap on um, small business employment, a whole range of different things. Nobody's going to be completely happy, but they're going to get the legislation through. I reckon young... Pocock shows promise and we should keep him on. Now, the government negotiations on the National Anti-Corruption Commission haven't been as successful. They haven't. That was all looking uh, like it was going to be a very boring thing that would just sort of more or less sail through this week after it went through the House last week. Uh, 
though we probably should have uh, sort of suspected some trouble, Philip, when the government wouldn't uh, even, even, even just to be a bit gracious, give the crossbench any concessions in the term, in the sense of supporting any crossbench amendments. Now, this afternoon, uh, the coalition came out and said that it wanted to have uh, a super majority of three quarters of the committee that will decide who is going to be the um, the commissioner on this new body. Um, uh, this is sort of slightly different from Helen Haynes' independence proposal for a two-thirds majority and there are various other permutations about who should be the chair of the committee and things like that coming from other members of the crossbench. Now, the government's taking a, a hard line on this and saying, no, uh, you know, we won't negotiate on this and it's not appropriate for the parliament brackets, Senate crossbenches to determine who will be um, the commissioner in these cases. It would be like... Uh, the parliament deciding high court judges and moving to the US <laughs> system. So it could get pretty messy over the next couple of days. For now, a, a mingle with tingle usually focuses entirely on Canberra, but can we just whiz down to, to Melbourne? I believe something's happened down there. Yes, um, what's happened down there is that um, Dan Andrews has been returned without um, suffering any major major debacles as uh, widely predicted by um, a whole range of people, particularly in the News Corp papers, Philip. Um, and uh, so that's really raised, I think, a lot of questions for the Liberal Party. They've had a terrible result despite the fact that um, there was so much uh, animus uh, created in some sections of the community about Dan Andrews. A lot of people did feel very angry about uh, the continu continuing lockdown and things down there. Uh, but I think um, the quality of the candidates and the quality of the campaign and the strategy that the Victorian Liberals put up really left them, um, you know, struggling and, you know, considering how terrible their result was in 2018, the fact that they barely improved on that has really created a sense of crisis around the party. Um, a lot of focus on the fact that it's been sort of taken over by far-right uh, religious groups and um, and that they were, you know, there were a lot of problems with their candidates um, and, um, you know, it's put Dan Andrews in the box seat to be one of um, Victoria's longest-serving premiers. Laura, thank you for being my first interviewee with my new brain since the transplant. It uh, seems to be going OK. Laura is, of course, chief political correspondent at 730 Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.